So we've come to the end of our restricted but advancing sermon series, 10 weeks going through the Bible book of Philippians as we have been restricted. We've been in lockdown and we've been reading a letter by Paul, the apostle, who was also restricted in lockdown and lockdown far worse than us, not lockdown in a home, but lockdown in a prison. And what we've seen is that Paul, as he's restricted, he's still advancing. He's advancing in his own faith. And he's advancing the gospel. And I said on Sunday that the biggest challenge for some of us during lockdown, I think, is that we've retreated. We've retreated physically into our homes. We've retreated relationally, just keeping in touch with a few people. We've retreated in our mindset, just thinking about ourselves and our own survival and our own comfort. We've retreated in our evangelism. We've retreated in our visions and our plans for the future. And yet this time has been a time not to retreat. It's not been a time for retreat. Actually, it's been a time not for retreat, but for advancing, for advancing in our own faith and advancing in the gospel. And with this week's Wednesday Evening Discipleship, as it were, sort of wrapping up this sermon series, what I thought I'd try and do is I'd try and draw out some key themes in the letter of Philippians. Key themes that I hope you'll agree are themes that are totally and utterly relevant to us in our turbulent times that we are going through at the moment. So how do you spell Philippians? Well, it's got lots of P's in it, hasn't it? Well, here are five P's in Philippians. The first P is people. And I thought I'd give you these five P's by sharing five pictures in our house. And this first picture here, you'll see, is a picture, a map of Clapham that we were given. And I love it so much. But Clapham is a place that is full of people. One of the glorious features of Clapham is it's full of people of all nationalities, all backgrounds and all ages. And, you know, one of the glorious features of the Christian faith is that it is bringing together people from all nationalities, all backgrounds and all ages. Just think how the Philippian church started. It's recorded in Acts 16. First of all, it started by a woman called Lydia coming to faith in Jesus. She was a, a, a rich person, a dealer in purple cloth. Then we get a native Greek slave girl becoming a Christian. She was demon possessed from the lowest of low classes. And then we get a middle class Roman prison officer. You see, there at the start of Philippians, there's three different nationalities, three socioeconomic groupings, differences in sex and race and class. And if the last weeks of lockdown have taught us anything, with all that has happened since George Floyd's killing and murder, it is that the church should be leading on issues of racial justice because we are all equal before Jesus. We're all equal before Jesus. And from the very start of the church, in the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, one of the most powerful form of, forms of witness has been for other people to look in on Christians, to look in on a group of Christians and to go, wow, what brought these people together? They're so diverse. They're so different in all these different ways. And yet they are so united. They're treating each other as family. How come when they're so diverse from different backgrounds, different races, different classes, how are they so united? It is because of Jesus. The first P is people. The second P is personal. And this little picture here, it's not much, but to me, it is very personal. It's personal between the girl and the dog having this little personal tug of war. But it's also personal to me because it was my granny's and my granny died just before I was born. And this is what I was given that was hers. So when you strip back things, it's not really worth a lot or anything like that. But to me, it's really important because it is personal. 
And Philippians as a letter is a really personal letter of Paul's. Do you remember chapter three? He says, this is who I was. I've got this, I had this impressive CV, all these impressive credentials. And yet then he says, but whatever was to my gain, I now consider loss. I consider it rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. He goes on, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. He says, I press on towards the goal for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. He says, it's deeply personal. Paul's saying, when you strip everything away, how is my personal relationship with Jesus? That's Paul speaking in prison. He is restricted. Everything's been stripped away from him in prison. And what is he left with? He is left with his personal relationship between him and Jesus. And that is what you and I, we've had to face up to in our homes over the last few months. There's been no church. There's been no church weekend away. There's been no focus, no Clapham Sunday. How are things for us personally when everything else is stripped away? Just me and Jesus. How are things for me personally with Jesus? And how are things for you personally? And that may be a wake up call for some of us when everything else is stripped away. What is our personal relationship with Jesus like? So the third P is partnership. And this here, as you can see, is a picture of me and Susanna. It was given to us by our brother-in-law. He's an artist and he, he drew it for our wedding. And what I love about this picture, uh, apart from being a bit squeamish about pictures of ourselves, but what I love about it is the hands. Those hands holding each other saying actually in our marriage, Susanna and I are partners. We are partnering together. We are there holding each other together. And that idea of partnership is an idea that is really strong in the letter of Philippians. Right at the start of the letter of Philippians, I think it's chapter one, verse five, Paul writes, he thanks God for the Philippians and he remembers them with such joy because of their partnership in the gospel. This idea of being partners in the gospel, all of us in Jesus, we have all sorts of different gifts, but we need all of us. We need all of us to be partners in the gospel using our different gifts uh, at this time. And we've needed that more than ever during lockdown as everything's changed. As suddenly we've had to have church online, as uh, suddenly we've had, you know, pub quizzes, we've had the uh, pop-up food bank, uh, we've had Alpha online, all sorts of different things. And it's been wonderful to see us all being partners in the gospel using our different gifts for the glory of God. And think of Paul again. He's talking about advancing in his own faith. I hope as we've been partners in, our in the gospel, we have been advancing in our own faith during lockdown. But he also talks about being partners in the gospel to advance the gospel itself. And that's why we've been doing things like Alpha Online and why we've got this Why Sermon series coming up. Because together as partners in the gospel, we want to be advancing the gospel as we invite people to come and hear the glorious good news of Jesus. The fourth P is pride free. And I know this isn't really a picture, but that in our house, above various doors, we have different Bible verses, just key things that we want to remind ourselves of as a family. And this one, famous verse in Micah, what does the Lord require of you to act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God? And obviously walk humbly with your God. That is the same as being pride free. And that idea of walking humbly with God, being pride free, being willing to lower ourselves so that others might be lifted high. That is a key theme of Philippians, this challenge that we might lower ourselves so that other people be lifted up think of the end of the letter what I looked at last Sunday as we looked at the end of the letter I just spoke about us meeting the needs of others not pridefully meeting our own needs but looking to meet the needs of others 
Or take a look at the striking start of Paul's letter. I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but look at Philippians 1 verse 1. And how does Paul start the letter? You might expect him to say, St. Paul to the servants of God in Philippi. But actually he says the very opposite of that. He says, servant Paul to the saints of God in Philippi. It is the exact opposite. Paul, he's so free of pride, he is full of humility. And of course, all that, that is modelled on Jesus himself. That famous early hymn in Philippians in chapter 2, probably the most famous bit of Philippians. What does Paul say? He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man and being made in human likeness. He humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that leads us to our final P in Philippians. P is also for pleasure. And the final picture is one that my mum painted, and it's a picture of our, our youngest two, of Hope and Theo, playing in the waves down in Cornwall. And as I look at that picture, I just have to smile, because I remember how much fun they were having in that time, just giggling and laughing and screaming with delight as they jumped in the waves. And it just it, it evokes such joy as I look at that picture. And in Philippians, Philippians is the letter of joy in the New Testament. The word joy or rejoice, it comes 16 times in the letter. It is the letter of joy. And we can know joy, says Paul. We can know joy, not because our circumstances are delightful, because sometimes they won't be. Sometimes we won't be having fun at the beach. And certainly for Paul, his circumstances weren't delightful. He was in prison. And certainly for many of us, our circumstances may not be delightful at the moment. But Paul says we can know joy. We can know joy whether in plenty or in want, because Jesus Christ himself is the one who brings us joy. In the image that I was using on Sunday in the sermon, Jesus, he is the one statue that does not deserve to be toppled. Jesus alone is our joy, the one that we can worship. And I guess my biggest desire of all for me my biggest desire for each of you, for all of us at HTC from this sermon series, Restricted But Advancing, my biggest desire is that in the midst of whatever we're going through, in the midst of any pain or confusion or restriction or uncertainty, in the midst of it all, you and I might be marked above all by being people of joy, that we might have deep-seated joy in us. And joy that is not just because my lot in life is so wonderful, because sometimes it isn't. But you and I, we might be marked by joy that people around us would see us and say, aren't they so joyful, whatever the circumstances? Because we have a joy in Jesus. Paul writes, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Well, because God my God, your God, God will meet all our needs in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, he is our joy. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can have such joy in you. 
that we can have joy in you, whatever our circumstances, because you provide us with all that we ultimately need. And so I pray for us as a whole church family, that at this time, when there are still various restrictions, where there are still all sorts of challenges, that we might be marked by the power of your spirit with a deep-seated joy that comes from you and you alone. And in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.